0: Without Conor McGregor, the sport certainly wouldn't be where it is now. I think he's just one of those personalities that kind of just revolutionizes a sport yeah. and just changes it forever. Like, mixed martial arts will not be the same as it was before Conor McGregor entered the UFC because of Conor McGregor.
1: Hal, yeah. thanks Ooh. for coming in, mate. No worries. Cheers for having me. That's all right, mate. Appreciate you coming down. Uh, talked about it for a little bit and... Uh Making it happen. Yeah,
0: definitely, definitely. It's nice to get down here. I've got a, a cool little setup here. I love it.
1: Yeah, cheers, Wicked. mate. Appreciate that. So I'll take it back to when I first sort of spotted you. I went I went and watched uh, when Jack defended his title in Cage Warriors. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I was down there that night and obviously seen you doing your job. And I, I actually thought at the time, that's a cool job. Like, <laughs> I, you know, how does someone like that get into that? And this was way before I even had a podcast. So yeah. it's quite cool actually sitting down with you now and getting to know a bit more about you.
0: Yeah, it's... Uh it's a weird old job, isn't it? I sat there watching <laughs> watching a, uh, I think it was like a pain pit fight night, and I was like, "How, how do you get into doing that?" Because do uh, initially, I <clears throat> I used to go down um, with Richard Shaw, and kind of uh, I was training with him at the time at Liri Combat, and there was a there was a group of us. We were about maybe from the age of like thirteen onwards. We used to go down. We'd help set the events up, you know, putting the mats out in the warm up rooms and stuff like that, and uh, yeah, we. I always say, I used to say, I say, I'll, uh, I'll say that I helped set the cage up, but he'd definitely tell you I was more of a hindrance because I was useless. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't know what anything went about the squares the wrong way. Oh, it's terrible. But, um, but yeah, we used to go and help out and we used to watch the show then cause we knew lots of the boys were fighting. We were all fans of the sport. Um, and then, yeah, I kind of, I, I was like, Oh yeah, and I used to say to the boys, used to say, I could do that. I could have a go at that. I think, yeah, I think I could do it. Um, and they say, oh no, you couldn't, you couldn't, you couldn't shut up, shut up, shut up and um, uh, Ricky Wright uh, did lots of shows at the time and I think I said to him a couple of times oh, I fancy a go at that and he goes oh, alright yeah I oh, "I think I could do it and um, fast forward a couple of years then I was in university um, had a phone call off him saying do you fancy a go I've got you a gig he say, I can remember exactly it's uh, with a guy called Matthew Aynon, uh, ran a show called ESE Fight Night and it was in I think it was in more of a social club in Llanalli. Um And I can remember, I can, I just, I was in test scores at the time. I was like, ah, yeah, yeah, all right, I'll give it a go. I had nothing to lose. I'm a student. It was a bit of, bit of money on the a bit of beer money. Yeah. And um, I turned up to the show and it was uh, it was brilliant. It was a proper, like, spit and soda show. Um, it was a really good show, but, like, the cage was on the floor. There was probably about 200 people in attendance um you know the walkway was just like through the through the middle of the seats good um was it that's like, probably
1: what you needed was it for your first one? Oh, Nothing definitely too definitely, intense, like.
0: definitely yeah well I can remember I got in the cage and like my I remember my left leg just felt like it was shaking uncontrollably and I was like oh, this is weird what was my leg doing that like so I shifted all my weight onto my left leg thinking that'll stop it and then the right leg started going <laughs> just, <laughs> but um
1: proper level of discomfort <laughs> like was it yeah
0: massive massive yeah i thought oh, i don't know what i'm gonna do by yeah <laughs> hope i don't choke up or anything but uh but yeah it did that show and it kind of snowballed from there
1: mate it's uh it's a wild thing to do because like i don't know about for you but for me like when i was in school primary school like high school and whatever you know like when they say get up and read yeah like that is like the dreaded moment for me yeah was that
0: like similar did you ever find that i've always been confident in speaking I'd say, you know, if you ask me like what my strength is as a, a human being, speaking is probably one of my biggest strengths. I feel like I can talk to most people. I can talk at length. I'm, you know, I can read to a, a decent level then in front of people. I mean, yeah. that, that doesn't really phase me too much. Obviously, when I was plonked in front of 200 people, I was a bit taken aback. But generally, as a rule of thumb, I've always been okay at that. Um. But then I was terrible at maths. So it was always a trade-off. In <laughs> yeah, you, you <laughs> can't have it all, mate. Come it can't on. Have it like, all. It? <laughs> well, no one likes the people who can have it all anyway, do they? Let's be honest. No, that's There's it. There's always that, that one kid it. in school. used to look at it. He used to go, for God's sake. Mate, go on, all, everyone's got something
1: they're not good at. They're just not admitting it. Like I, I had this bloke in here the other day, uh, Richard Taylor. He's like, He was running to be an MP in blind and Grant. Yeah. And he was saying, you all know these bad things about me. But trust me, you think you know it all. You don't know the, actually the worst things. Like, everyone's got things which they're yeah. hiding from people. Yeah, of course. Which yeah. they don't want to admit because, yeah. you know, it's embarrassing yeah. or you've done something you shouldn't have done or whatever. Yeah, so
0: Yeah, Well, our first show, I introduced myself to the referee and uh, you know, he shook my hand. He said, oh, my name's Chris Jones. And Ricky mentioned him to me. He said he was going to be there um, anyway. He literally shook my hand, said, my name's Chris Jones. I turned around, said to the audience, started my, my spiel. I said, ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> your referee for the evening... Chris Davis. And he literally looked back at me, pointed at his shirt, and he was like, Chris Jones. <laughs> <laughs> on the first so, one. Yeah, on the first one, yeah. So, how yeah. Did, did he, he collar you for it later? Like, or? Oh, I did. He's a lovely bloke, Chris. Really, really nice bloke. <laughs> he just bowed me aside. He was like, it's Chris Jones. I was like, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> get it right. Come on. like This is my time to shine, sir. <laughs> Mate, <set. laughs> it's,
1: yeah, it's proper mad. Like, so you, you went from these like smaller shows then. So how did you get like a...
0: Fill the gap between that and Cage Warriors. So, basically, <clears throat> I did these these smaller shows. Um, I was lucky I, I managed to do an Adrenaline Fight Night show, which was um, a great show run by James Wallace. And then uh, I got my details passed on to a guy called Robbie Owen, who was running a white-collar boxing show at the time. Um, the show was based in Cardiff initially. And I got a lot of work in with Robbie um, doing this white-collar boxing stuff. He's still an active promoter now and um, he's actually one of the really good guys in the white-collar industry because I think that industry is filled with a lot of um, sometimes less desirable promoters.
1: That's very professional. Um,
0: yeah, you know, sometimes, uh, you know, I've heard of kind of stories, and again, it's all stories, but you've heard of kind of fighter safety being compromised when really all they're trying to do is raise money for charity and have their five minutes of glory or whatever in a boxing ring. Um, but yeah, Robbie's one of the good guys, and I started on his shows, and that was great because that really gave me a platform to kind of find myself, hone a lot of my skills. Um, his uh, his white-collar boxing kind of evolved into the same professional boxing, um, and as his shows kind of took that little step up, it allowed me to kind of take a little step up too, in terms of my announcing ability and the way I was announcing, and I was able to play about with a lot of things because he gave me a lot of free reign in many areas Mm -hmm. and that was fantastic. Um, Yeah, and then Richard Shaw needed somebody to fill in for one of his shows and I was training in the gym at Blind at the time and I just kind of nagged the backside off him and said, (laughs) come on, Shake. Oh, you need an MC. I want to be your MC." Let, you know, let's make this work can I can I fill in on this one this one show it was a Cage Warriors Academy show so it wasn't televised or anything like that it was in the Newport Centre um Jack Shaw was fighting Alexandros Gourmelatos I think um and I said come on I'd love to do it is there a chance please can I do it in fact I think Jack was the one who tapped me up and said my dad's looking for an MC goes, tell him you'll do it go and tell him you'll do it um And that was it. Yeah, he. uh, I had to send him a video of me um, announcing, as I would announce a fight. And on the back of that, he said, "Yeah, okay, we'll we'll give you a shot." And I was lucky then. After that one show, he asked me if I'd like to do uh, the rest of their shows. So I was doing the Cage Warriors Academy Wales shows, which meant I was doing the undercards of the televised Cage Warriors events whenever Cage Warriors came to Wales. So, I suppose that kind of put me in um, in a position to maybe be seen by some of the Cage Warriors brass. Um, I think I did those for about two years, two or three years. And then I had a phone call asking me if I could just fill in for one show at Cage Warriors 99 up in Colchester. Um, so, obviously, I said yes. You don't, don't say no to an opportunity no, like no, that. Definitely not. I said yes. Um, I went up, I filled in for the one show. I was absolutely on cloud nine for the week afterwards. Um, I was just chuffed. I thought it was amazing. And that was in the November. And then in the February of the following year, I was asked if I'd like to join the team and be the MC full-time. And that brings me up to where we are now.
1: Amazing, mate. Mate, it's great as well, like just building your way up. And that's what you've got to do. Like, it's the same as like, Doing this, I've said to like many people, like the first 50 are probably going to be like a bit of an apprenticeship. You're going to yeah. learn what you're doing, what you're asking. Is there a plan in it? Because I imagine like doing that, you know, just even like going over it and not saying the wrong name like you did with Chris or whatever. <coughs> and that's, yeah. that's a talent in itself because something, sometimes things just fall out of your mouth, don't they? Yeah. <laughs> it's like, what the fuck just happened? Yeah. and
0: sometimes not overthinking yourself. I mean, I'm still guilty of that. now, overthinking myself and overthinking what I'm going to say and kind of almost over-processing it in my mind. Um, but yeah, having that ability to just, just kind of free flow and work things out and do things, that was really, really beneficial, you know, especially to know that it's only going out to the people in the room. That was fantastic. And it was invaluable to me, to be honest, just to be able to kind of find, find myself, find who I felt I was as an MC. Um, I mean, I'm by no means finished. I find little things I try and tweak about myself every show, because I think the minute that you're kind of happy with, the way that you are is the minute that you're going to start to kind of come apart
1: because you, yeah, you're kind of either on the up yeah, or yeah, on mean, the down in you. Like, yeah, I, I mean,
0: think you can never achieve perfection. Can you really, you know, really? And honestly, no one can ever say they can achieve perfection. I mean, Usain Bolt, when he broke his, his world record and you know, and so it was his own personal best, When well, he made his own personal best. There's no way he was totally satisfied with that forevermore. There's no way he didn't sit down and think, well, could I, I break that? Yeah. Or you know, can I break my own record again? You know, no one's ever completely everyone's everyone's always striving for that a little bit more.
1: That's it. Yeah. You you get to like you, you look at this levels, don't you? And you're like, oh once I get there, I'll be happy. And then when you get there, you're like, oh, what's up there? It's like you can see the next ridge. It's like when you go up the yes. mountain, you think that's the top, and then there's another bit. Yeah. yeah. It's like it's never ending, it? Literally. And so like you'd say, um, are you working for Cage Warriors full time then, or is it just just for the MCN?
0: No, no, no. I um I just do the MCing for their shows. Outside of that, I actually work um in a special needs school. all oh, right, right, okay. The kids with special needs. Yeah, so it's cool. Yeah, it's interesting. Bit of a contrast, like eh, yeah, yeah, a bit contrast. Uh, yeah, hey, it brings you back down to earth. <laughs> yeah, definitely, mate. Definitely.
1: So, like, do do you think I I obviously have no clue how much like it pays or anything yeah. like that, MCing or whatever. Is there ever like a future full time gig from it? Do you think? Um. Obviously, this year has been a kick in the teeth, really. Could...
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, this year I've actually been fortunate because Cage Warriors obviously got all the government approval. and They've been able to get their shows kind of working across the board. Um, so we, we've been really lucky with that because we've been able to continue doing shows, even though there's been no fans there. We've been able to continue, obviously, A, doing what we love, and B, um, earning money while doing it. But yeah, I mean, you do see full-time MCs, you know, so it's, it's obviously... An achievable goal because you find people doing it as a career. Yeah. So so yeah, it's definitely it's definitely possible. There's definitely ways to do it. It's definitely achievable. It's just a case of facilitating it.
1: Yeah. And like making the connections, I would imagine, yeah. is probably obviously being good at what you do, number one. And then number two is actually getting in front of people, isn't it? And Yeah,
0: yeah, networking. Yeah. I mean I've been with Cage Warriors now, um, you are know, on the televised broadcast side of it for two years. So I mean that's still comparatively comparatively early, relatively new, um, two years. It's not a particularly long time. Um, so yeah, I think there's definitely, definitely more to come.
1: Yeah, that's it. And every show you go to, you're going to get seen by someone else, every sort of, like, I noticed you've done quite a couple of podcasts lately and things, every one of them, you don't know who's listening. Yeah, it's exactly. Like,
0: yeah. Um, and I found kind of interest in me being on, you know, not that I think I'm a particularly interesting person, <laughs> not at least not for a, a podcast anyway, <laughs> but, uh, but, um, Yeah, I mean, I found interest in me has kind of increased in terms of being asked to appear on a podcast and things like that, Um, maybe in the last six months. So and I honestly think that's just a case of my face being in front of people for that kind of more prolonged period of time. You know, you wouldn't see someone as a one-off, especially not in the role that I'm doing, and think, oh, I'd I'd like to speak to him. I would imagine it takes a couple of attempts where you see someone... Repeatedly, and you think actually, this person might have something interesting to say. I'd like to speak to him,
1: yeah. It's like marketing, isn't it? They reckon when they're selling a product, you've got to see it like seven times before you buy it, yeah. So, like you say, they're seeing you this many times on the telly, they're like, Oh, yeah, this guy's like a regular in this spot. I want to get to know him, isn't it? Or like, yeah. that's exactly yeah. what it was for me. I seen you in the show and I see you carry on doing your thing. And it wasn't until I actually had like the sort of place and platform to do it that I thought, All oh, right, now, now yeah. I got the opportunity, yeah. Isn't it? So, yeah. Yes, um, yeah, I always think like it's a crazy job going up there and, and doing that, and you say like you like to be chilled what what like takes you to that chilled place is it do you, have you got like techniques or have you have you like just cultivated it over time?
0: It's something I've got used to over time. I always like to tell myself that I'm only ever doing what I do for the people in the room. My job is just to take the information about the fighters and give it to the people in the room watching the event. I always think to myself, the television broadcast will give everyone everything else. Now, I I know deep down that obviously I'm actually part of that broadcast. You know, I'm not sat there thinking, I, I know deep down that I am a part of it. But what helps me to kind of relax is I kind of take my mind off the whole cameras and lights and all that stuff. And I just think to myself, I'm simply there just to Facilitate information for the people in the room, and that's it.
1: Just go tunnel vision on it. And if
0: I do that correctly, everything else will fall into place in terms of what I am meant to do. Um, yeah, and that's how that's that's just just how I how I get into that that space. Just, um, just don't
1: think about it too much, and more or less, don't like, don't <coughs> like get overwhelmed by the situation going on around you.
0: No, don't try. And, don't put it on a pedestal. Don't do anything like that. Just. Just do what you're meant to do for the people in the room. When I started it, I was only doing it for the people in the room. Why should it be any different now? You know, uh, as long as I do my job for the people in the room, the people at home are going to get exactly the same benefit.
1: Yeah. What was it like when there was barely any people in the room?
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's... uh,
1: (laughs) (laughs) Like, for for all I don't know how many people would be there. Like, what, 30 or 40 people?
0: Yeah, I mean, sometimes, you, especially at the start of a, a small show you 're talking kind of a, a low number of people and then you sat there thinking oh I wish there was more people here I wish that you know it's like these uh, these trilogy shows now they're fascinating but sometimes I think to myself I wish there was people there were people here just to kind of give a bit of a pop to something um, whether that's something I'm saying or kind of I, I always say that I think it was criminal um, to announce Paddy Pimblett in Manchester, thirty minutes down the road from Liverpool, and not have thousands of screaming scousers <laughs> taking the roof off. I think that was absolutely criminal. Um, <laughs> mate, that was a wild fight as well. Like, wasn't it? yeah, I mean, you know, uh, when Paddy travels to, I'm sure that whenever Paddy fights, he'll take his um his contingent of fans with him, just like Jack does. Um. Just like, you know, on a larger scale, Conor McGregor has. Um, So the idea of having somebody like that and not having anyone there to support him, like I said, it's almost criminal. You know, you hear that walkout music is synonymous with uh, kind of a massive atmosphere and there's like nobody there. Um, You still get an atmosphere, but it's a totally different kind of atmosphere. Yeah. I,
1: I think paddy like could be a huge star now he's in the UFC like he he's a, he's just like he's a huge star considering he's on cage warriors and that's yeah. no no disrespect to cage warriors but you don't see people with like his profile really do you? at that level it's usually like he's probably got a bigger profile than a lot of UFC fighters
0: yeah definitely I think that's definitely done to the way that he markets himself um I mean you are seeing people come through cage warriors bringing that kind of profile like you know, I'd argue that jack Shaw build himself a similar kind of profile in terms of the following here amassed. Um and I would argue that with these closed door events, we're probably not seeing the fighters who are starting to amass a massive following because we can't, because we can't yeah, have any yeah, fans you, there. You're
1: only seeing what's online yeah, really. Exactly yeah. yeah.
0: So I mean you've got fighters who are kind of rising up through the ranks. Um <clears throat> you know, I mean you've got Oban Elliott, um Ian Gary, you've got plenty of people who are coming through the ranks and you can't, you, you know, we're not getting a true reflection of how their following is growing or building, yeah, because you're not seeing these people in the room to support them.
1: That's true. I tell you, one person I love watching fight is that Jack Cartwright.
0: Jack Cartwright, yeah, like, yeah. Like
1: got... every time you're watching fight, you're just yeah. waiting for the bang, like, aren't you? He's a
0: small just... man with cinder blocks for hands, isn't he? I know it's <laughs> insane,
1: isn't it? You don't usually see someone at his weight like knocking people out the way he does. Yeah. His... I had a message him after his one fight. I was like, fucking hell, <laughs> yeah, I just couldn't believe it. I can't remember who he's fighting to be honest. He's but... a nice
0: guy, Jack as well. Nice guy. But, yeah. Uh, I wouldn't want to pick on him. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, he's
1: he's a bantamweight, isn't
0: he? Yeah, yeah, under thirty-five pounds. Yeah, right?
1: yeah. He, he's obviously champion at the minute. Like he's bound to get a call cool out of. Well, if he you know carries on the way he's going, isn't he?
0: You'd imagine so. I mean, we we all know what the Cage Warriors belt is uh, is a ticket for, don't we? So
1: yeah,
0: yeah. In that regard, if he keeps winning, keeps putting on performances, then uh, you sh- you should imagine that the phone call will turn up sooner or later.
1: Yeah, yeah. I I find it weird. Like obviously Cage Warriors, like. Must have good connections with the UFC, yeah. haven't they? And Graham and everything. But it's like a weird thing in there. You you build them up to be this champion, and then you know they're gone within a fight or two, almost. And it tends to be, be <clears> the <throat> way.
0: Yeah, but with that kind of, <clears throat> I always think of it as a revolving door. Like with that one person leaving, you know, you have got another person entering who's going to become that next star. And the UK is only getting bigger and better when it comes to talent, like our talent pool is only getting deeper there's going to be kids who are 12, 13 14 years of age right now who are that next generation who I'm super excited to see what they can do when they reach adulthood and they step in the cage, because they've been doing this from day dot and there's absolute savages out there you know people who've got all this kind of information at their fingertips in terms of coaches they've got access to fantastic gyms they've got access to like strength and conditioning coaches they've got multiple coaches multiple coaches for multiple disciplines yeah they've got coaches who can bring it all together they're training in world-class facilities like these kids who definitely don't know how good they've got it they're like you know, I think the future of the sport in the UK is only going to... I think it's just going to explode at some point with absolute savage youngsters yeah. that are just going to be able to take on the world. Um, and I'm really excited for it.
1: Yeah, me too, mate. I think as well, there's massive like supply and demand now because since really, I don't know, I've only been into MMA since like the Conor McGregor sort of got in. And I think at that point, loads <laughs> of people got into it. Yeah. I feel like he... he produce he created he didn't just steal a load of fans, he created people who were never into the sport get into it and
0: Definitely. There was a massive influx of like interest around the sport, I think, when Conor McGregor got into the UFC with a bold, brash personality. Um he was an English speaker which obviously appealed to a lot of the UFC's target audience. And yeah, like you said, loads of people got into the UFC off the back of it. I enjoyed mixed martial arts just before Conor McGregor in the UFC. Um like I really used to like watching Chael Sonnen and Leoto Machida back in the day. Um like that was, you know that was, that oh, was he, it for me. he was he quality it. like the yeah. way he talked to, to people yeah. and
1: just his comebacks. I I still watch like his podcast now <laughs> the bad guying. Yeah Is yeah it? yeah. Like that's one of my go-to watches yeah. like and Although sometimes like you know what he's saying maybe not isn't even like right, but you just yeah. I just love what he's saying, do you know what I mean? Yeah.
0: He's, I honestly, you know. Yeah. Kind of that was when I was growing up in the sport that was those were two people who I kind of really looked at and kind of enjoyed watching was Chail Sun and um and Leo Domachida. I always make the joke that uh, I turn the Sonnen and Silver fight up for the end so I don't see him lose. But, <laughs> <laughs> but um yeah, and then obviously like yeah, Conor McGregor, he's kinda of like a level up from Charles Sonnen and yeah, he did, he, he battered on the doors for, for so many fans. And obviously with Conor McGregor came increased television coverage. Uh, it became much more accessible. Um, obviously you kind of had a bit of a social media boom around the same time where it was much easier to share video content and, you know, the UFC were doing press conferences. So you had uh, kind of sound bites and video clips from there that people could watch. And I think it all came together at a nice time to just create that kind of explosion in terms of fans of the sport.
1: Yeah, like I just literally, like you said, like all the little videos they put together of him, you know, all, all the compilations and stuff. And yeah. you just see him like riding down the bike on that big wheel, uh, d- down the road <laughs> on that big wheel bike with the Snoop Dogg song on. like Yeah. Like that's probably like, I can remember my brother showing me that. He's like, you've got to see this guy. And that's probably it then. I was like, fuck, okay, i got to watch him fight. Yeah. And uh I bet like, yeah, his fights have watched over and over and over again. Oh, yeah. Even now, like, because... I went through a time where like, you just always watch his knockouts back. Like, is, yeah. Yeah. Is, he was definitely like a catalyst to a lot of people getting into it. I think
0: a hundred percent. Definitely. Yeah. Uh, and <clears throat> I think, you know, whatever you think about him, you know, whether you think he's one of the best fighters to ever grace the, the sport, you know, of, of his, uh, of his time or whether you think he's not, you can't argue with what he's done. Yeah. the sport. Um, you know, whether you think his skill set is there and whether you think he's a fully rounded fighter or whether you think that someone else is better, um, you can't argue with what Conor McGregor had done to, sport, to the sport. He's Without Conor McGregor, the sport certainly wouldn't be where it is now. I think he's just one of those personalities that kind of just revolutionizes a sport yeah. and just changes it forever. Like, mixed martial arts will not be the same as it was before Conor McGregor entered the UFC because of Conor McGregor.
1: I agree. But isn't it strange, though? Like, obviously, that's the case. He doesn't even have to do that anymore. No. You know, like, like yeah. his last fight. Like, if he hadn't got the profile he got going into that fight, like, there was no pop in any of his interviews like there was before. Yeah. yeah. You know what I mean? Like, he's kind of raised his profile. Like he doesn't have to do it. Although, I think maybe coming to this next one, it could be a different story. I don't know. Yeah,
0: possibly. Possibly. I mean, uh, Yeah. Trilogy with Poirier, so it's uh, one apiece. Will we see the old Conor McGregor back, kind of talking a bit of trash, talking a bit of smack, trying to get under his skin?
1: I can't. I want to <laughs> see it. Like I, see <laughs> I can't it, yeah. help. It, everyone see it, like. everyone to see it. Like
0: everyone wants to see it. Everyone wants to see. Give him some shit innit? Yeah. Like I like yeah. Dustin.
1: Obviously, he's great. He's a great guy. Isn't he like yeah. he's nice as they come. But
0: I mean, well, man, look, he knows the game. McGregor doesn't he? As well, he knows the game. I mean, you know, I. You see people say, you know, he's changed because he's a father and all this and, you know, he knew exactly what he was doing from the dot. He wasn't just some brash Irishman who did things at the the flick of a switch. Um, if he wanted to make it look like he was, that's a different story, but I think that he was definitely calculated and kind of knew what he was doing, quite savvy, very switched on. So, I'm sure he knows, you know, he'll know the way he wants to approach the build-up to this fight and He'll give us whatever he wants to show us, I'm, su- I'm sure.
1: Yeah, I think he had, like, obviously a lot of controversy around his, like, personal life and things he's done. And I feel like he kind of wanted to wipe the slate clean with his last fight. He was kind of, I want to show you I am a good person, yeah. possibly. And now, like, you know, now he can get back to probably having a bit of banter and stuff. But...
0: Yeah, you, you don't want to read the same thing every day, do you? You get bored of it. So if you see the same thing constantly, you'll get a bit bored of it. So maybe you want to switch it up and yeah, kind of give us something a bit different.
1: Well, the Khabib, like for me, was like too far, you know. Like the Khabib <laughs> press conference, it was like, I, it was like, yeah. kind of. I don't yeah. know how to describe it. It just, yeah, didn't sit right, like somehow. I think, the, I think the
0: whole thing surrounding that fight was a bit too far, wasn't it? Yeah, but it, uh, it made for a lot of money, though, didn't it? Yeah, so, definitely. What can you definitely, say? Really, definitely. That's uh, probably the most. I think the most surprising fight that kind of never happened in terms of um, kind of the UFC making it happen and i mean they were obviously outside factors influencing it but um the fact that they never had a, a mcgregor and habib too yeah um is is insane because I, either i mean he got dominated massively but there were still people who would have wanted to see that rematch just because of everything that happened afterwards oh so, yeah wild isn't it like, yeah you could pro- yeah
1: the promo for the
0: next one would be greater would, than the one would before would and... be the end of first fight yeah
1: yeah yeah yeah. it was insane and like i you know he did definitely get dominated but he also caused probably the most problems for him in in certain ways like i know obviously he was on the floor getting battered for a lot of it but at the same time he was staying in there you know yeah. what i mean like a bit like people have looked a lot worse yeah
0: yeah 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 oh definitely and you know and you can't argue with him he is one of the uh, one of the, well, the most elite fighters in the ufc um you kind of and like you say, he did cause problems to Habib in certain areas. Um, I don't know if I see that fight having a different result. Mind? No, I don't. Because so, they ran it back now. You know uh, how dominant Habib has been. So
1: I didn't see it until like DC does a breakdown then. On certain it's things. Good breakdowns. Yeah. Did you see the breakdown of like when Habib went in for the takedown? No.
0: McGregor actually
1: like you know they come together in the middle of the cage and yeah. Habib goes for the takedown. McGregor actually throws a knee there, but misses. Yeah. Which you can't, like, I personally didn't see. Right. Until he did the breakdown. It looks like he just, like, tried to thrust his hips into him. Yeah. But he actually threw a knee and it just just missed. Just missed, yeah. Yeah, so that was like
0: a... I mean, that all comes down to kind of fight IQ, doesn't it? Yeah. And, you know, it's those little things that make the elite, the elite. And, uh, yeah, it's those little things that mean that we're the person sat in the set, he watching it, as opposed to the person in there. So, you know, it's a game of... uh, Game of inches, isn't it?
1: Yeah. So, uh, have you ever had like, how, how old are you? Twenty six. Twenty six. I'm twenty seven, so we're probably about the same nice. age. And so, you you um, ever had any like? Obviously, you're into fighting for a few years now. Yeah. Ed, do you ever have any aspirations to actually fight yourself?
0: Um. Yeah, as you know, <laughs> as a uh, as like a 12, 13 year old, yeah, I would have loved to have kind of uh, competed in mixed martial arts, and you know, I would have. I would have loved it. That's the the truth of it. Like as a as a young twelve, young twelve, thirteen, maybe even fourteen year old me, I thought like, oh yeah, you fancy a bit of this. Like I'd love a bit of this. Yeah. Um, but realistically, I kind of knew that my skill level was would be nowhere near enough to make it viable as a career. Um, you know, I'd be sat there as a domestic punching bag <laughs> um <laughs> yeah, you know, i knew i wanted to be involved in the sport um i knew that from kind of the minute i started it because um the sport's just given me so much like in terms of i mean i was never particularly i was never not a confident person if that makes sense um but it definitely gave me confidence just practicing <clears throat> a martial art or martial arts yeah um so I knew, you know, from that moment on, I knew I wanted to be involved in the sport in some way. Uh, yeah, I would have loved to have, uh, have, you know, fought Mixed Martial Arts if I if I had the skill set to to do it at a good level. But, um, yeah, I, I don't think it would have gone down very well. I had a couple of grappling matches when I was, uh, uh, when I was, um, when I was younger, when I was kind of between 16 and 18, a couple of grappling competitions, enjoyed those. Um, yeah, but never actually... Uh, Never actually put the gloves on. Never I, uh, I, uh, have you got? I'm too handsome now. I, you <laughs> know, I get out before before the business starts, I, yeah. you know, and I get in after it ends. I'm too pretty now. I'm just
1: here to look <laughs> good, talk good, and get out.
0: Yeah,
1: yeah. <laughs> I respect it, mate. Well, <laughs> at least, you know, at least you've been honest. Oh, yeah. Yeah.
0: I mean, I think anyone who is involved in mixed martial arts for... A prolonged amount of time it crosses their mind definitely. You know, the idea of fighting crosses their mind without a shadow of a doubt. Whether you entertain it seriously or whether, like me, you're just a little 13 14 year old kid with a bit of a pipe dream, yeah, and he goes to bed at night. But uh, I think yeah. it crosses
1: everyone's mind just in general, <laughs> like about because when I was like 15 to like 21, I was just drinking Friday, Saturday, yeah. maybe Sunday, whatever, yeah, and like when all the boys get together, like you talk about maybe a, a fight someone had had or like, not, not even like I'm talking on the telly. I'm talking yeah, about yeah, like yeah, I got the you, fight yeah. you'd had the weekend before outside yeah. the auberge or something. Do you yeah. know what I mean? Like, and it, like, we're just obsessed with it, aren't we? In any shape or form. I yeah. think like you, it's like proper male bravado and ego. Like, yeah, I, which,
0: think, I think humans, uh, you know, without wishing to get too deep into it, like, you know, um, we're bred to compete, aren't we? To be, competitive like that's human nature like everyone's competitive in something you know whether you're a mixed martial artist or whether you're you know a professional lego builder or <laughs> what, you know, whatever whatever you know two total opposite spectrums but you know we're all competitive in something like if you're not a sports at all and you're a musician like and you go off and you know like um orchestras and stuff have those competitions don't they like people just do them in school yeah, yeah um like you know that's competition like that's being competitive like as humans we're driven to be competitive whether you want to be the best at your job or you know
1: no one wants to be the worst do they no yeah like at the end of the day yeah I mean?
0: exactly yeah no one wants to be the worst which means you're striving to try and be the best so uh, we're competitive in in some sort of aspect just as as humans i think
1: yeah yeah i agree well that's it like it's, it's just natural and that's just what we want to yeah. do and i think like you said fighting is bred into us probably from like years ago where you literally had to fight like other tribes whatever and it yeah you know, yeah it's, like it's a it.
0: survival instinct isn't it yeah you know you yeah yeah years ago you got to fight to survive
1: so are you training now do you train uh
0: now? not at the moment no no i uh i'd like to get back into it i shan't go on record and say when because uh That'll backfire in my face. But yeah, I'd like to get back into it at some point. Give yeah, us a of, date and I'm going to forward this it. to Richard. <laughs> 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 yeah, no, I'd like to get back into it at some point because um, uh, I enjoy it. Yeah, um, I've
1: literally, I've only ever done like <laughs> one session of Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu yeah. with uh, Ash Amos. Oh, right, yeah. Uh, he, he had like a little setup down in Aber at one point. But he, yeah. moved, he moved then, which was probably good for good for my health because <laughs> <laughs> I went down there once and like, it's going to sound like a proper baby excuse, like, but I literally like tore the skin off my toes like the first time I went. Yeah. It was like a grim, like, I so I literally couldn't put like socks on for like a week.
0: <laughs> it, does <grow> <laughs> it does grow back. It does grow back. It does back. I
1: know. Yeah. yeah. I should have gone again, really, but <laughs> yeah. he, he moved then a, down to like pon- Pool <laughs> or something. like. Yeah. But I, I would love to, I, you know, I have keep saying it, but I'll have to try and get up for a couple of sessions, but it's hard to commit time, that, you know, because it's not...
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, speaking from personal experience, even if you just get like one or two a week, it's just just beneficial. I mean, we're all trapped in, in the kind of the, the, the grind of work and whatever else. So, I mean, just having one or two sessions, it's just, just good for you. Yeah. You know, in all aspects, physically, socially, mentally, it's just good to yeah get out and do a it was bit de- it's definitely
1: really fun anyway yes yeah, yeah, I, I did enjoy it yeah, like it was massively fun yeah yeah like you don't get the opportunity usually do you to just you know you don't like you don't, can't walk down the office and just grab someone and try and get them to the floor like can you so you can't no you can't unfortunately no, like because no. it's time to time i'd no, like you, to but even if that's
0: the environment <laughs> where you most want to grab <laughs> something you yeah. cannot <laughs> yeah. maybe it gives
1: you the restrain like being able to do it yeah. <laughs> in the way. yeah yeah, yeah, there's definitely a few people. If there's anyone from work watching, like <laughs> I am thinking these thoughts, like Yeah, you he'll have you, watch yourself. <laughs> yeah, I just, I just you just don't know it, like
0: yeah. you just don't know it. No, it's um it's brilliant. And I think, you know Especially at the moment, obviously health and mental health and stuff like that's uh is a big push on it, isn't it? It's a big thing. So um yeah, I think any I mean any form of exercise, any form, you know, whether you play rugby football, go for a run, get on a bike, go for a walk, whatever it is. Getting out and doing something is, is good,
1: yeah. You literally like you never regret it, do you? I always no. like, and, and until I do something, pretty much <clears throat> I, I try to do one thing every day, whether it's yeah. run, gym, whatever. Until I've done that in the day, I don't feel like satisfied, you know. Like, if yeah. I'm i gonna go in the morning, but then I don't, I've gotta, gotta go in the afternoon, I'm just yeah. waiting around, like, oh, just don't quite feel myself until yeah. I've done it, like, you know,
0: yeah. No, I agree. Nobody ever feels worse after exercise, I'm sure. That, Somebody will lot in the comments now and say I feel worse after exercise, but as a rule of thumb, people don't feel worse after exercise. You feel good. You got a, you know you get the endorphins flowing and you feel you feel awesome. Yeah, like whether you go for a walk and get the top of a mountain, whether you go for a run and like get a personal best on a five k, or go for a cycle, have a grapple, play football, play rugby, whatever it is, never feel bad like you said.
1: No, definitely. Unless you take your skin off your toes, like a, Unless you a take a skin off your toes, mate. See? That's a fucking bad see, day. Like, look, I told you, I did. I said
0: there will be one. <laughs> so, yeah. well, that was me. That, <laughs> that was you. No, nah, I did.
1: Yeah. I did enjoy it. Like, I won't. Yeah, you know, I'm not gonna. <laughs> I'm not gonna take away from it because my toes, like, cause my pussy toes. <laughs> <laughs> like,
0: <laughs> yeah, stick like a plaster on it. But um, yeah, I mean, <clears throat> I, um, I actually last week I tried. Um, see that cold water swimming people are doing. Yeah. Yeah, I tried that for the first time last week, just because. I was like, oh that looks that was pretty cool. Fancy a go at that. So um I gave that a go and um that was really cool. Where'd yeah, you go? Was good. Um place called Keepers Pond, I'm sure you know it. I know it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Keepers Pond, good wild swimming place. So I'm told. Um yeah, and that was that so, was cool. It was good. I enjoyed it. Yeah.
1: So was that actually swimming or was it just sitting? Like you were swimming? so, I, I got
0: out and had a, had a bit of a swim around. I was a little bit like I didn't actually know how cold it was going to be. It turned out it was it was fairly warm, so I was able to swim around a bit. I didn't actually know how, um, how long I'd be able to stay in there. So I went about three o'clock in the afternoon, which in hindsight probably was a little bit late to go because <laughs> yeah. water was um was fairly warm. But um, so yeah, I was able to have a like a swim about and and stuff. But um, yeah, I'm definitely interested in getting like. Getting a couple of early mornings in, seeing my last leg. Yeah, well,
1: uh, It's supposed to be really good for you the health <clears> benefits <throat> of getting in the cold water.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, I started. Um, I read like I read up on the, the health benefits of cold showers, and I thought, oh, well, you know, you have a shower anyway. Just turn the cold water on and, and give it a go. Like, so I, I've probably been having cold showers for the past like month. Um, the Wim Hof, like, is I, it? Is that <laughs> yeah. you're trying to? I haven't actually looked into the Wim Hof. I have just like you know, control my breathing for a bit before I get in or whatever. But um, yeah, and I find like after that, like I feel awesome, like I feel great. So uh, I thought, let's take it the next level and let's try some of this wild swimming. So uh, I'm gonna try and get up there now this weekend, nice and early. See Good if in, I mate. can uh, see if I can get a bit of a bit of a chill on. And
1: I know Matthew Creel was going up there quite regular. Do you know him? i have heard butt? of him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was tidy, but yeah, yeah, yeah. I think he's got a group who goes up on a Sunday morning early, oh, right. Right. and like anyone's welcome sort yeah. of thing. I'm yeah. pretty sure. Nice, nice. I should, I should go some point. I got one of them, like... um I got off Amazon, like, a little tub in the garden. Oh, yeah. Which you can fill with water. Yeah. So, like, if I go for a run in the morning, come back. Yeah. Do, like, five minutes in there before I go for a shower. Yeah. Just sit there, like... It's it's not so bad now. Like you said, this time of year is kind of... Yeah. It's different, but we were, we were going, actually, in the river. Um, we I say we're going in the river. We did it, like, twice before I got yeah. this tub. And uh, we went down one Sunday morning. <laughs> one of the boys got in. I did, like, a couple of minutes. Yeah. Another lad did about five... His one was in there for about 10 minutes and uh, he, st- he started to make his way out and he was about four meters from the edge yeah. and he just like collapsed and just went straight on his face. Oh, Jesus. Got back up. His <laughs> knees were cut. He was just like, oh. we had oh. literally had to like, because it was, well, there was there was frost on the ground. Like yeah. that's how cold it was at the time. Yeah. So we had to like fucking dress him. <laughs> he couldn't yeah. dress himself. Like it was, God, it was ridiculous. dress man. Yeah, yeah. But I think uh, maybe any, you know, between five and like, Ten minutes is too much. Do you know what I mean it's, uh, Yeah, yeah. I don't know if yeah. you if you get in many benefits from like seven minutes on. I don't think. No,
0: no. I, I, yeah. I read somewhere that like between four and six is like the most you'll stay in. Um, I mean, I would imagine there becomes a point of diminishing returns. Yeah, when it's essentially chucking yourself in it, like chucking yourself in the fridge. You know, like you're surrounded <laughs> by cold. Like at some point, that's gonna that's gonna eat away at you, and that's gonna turn nasty. So yeah, I yeah. should imagine there's a point of diminishing returns from it. Yeah
1: it's kind of like the cold is obviously setting off like mechanisms in your body to release different enzymes that you don't usually use to protect yourself in it so it's like it's giving you yeah. I, I don't like i'm i'm proper fucking up the science of it but <laughs> you know you know um, like it's, it's really something you don't have to deal with on a day-to-day basis that's yeah. making your body give you like an extra layer of protection basically in it so yeah 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 if you're like seven minutes on Starting to break them walls down, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Again, like you're getting worse again, aren't you? It's like, oh, but we can't (laughs) put up with this.
0: Yeah, I, I, there's something to do with the blood cells. I don't know if it's the white or the red, so I'm not going to put a name on them, but it's something to do with the blood cells, and they, I think they like rush to the surface of your skin. Um, and I think they start to come away from, um, like your fingertips and your toes, um, to kind of preserve the heat around like your vital organs and stuff. Again, I am also. Butcher in the yeah. science. Anyone who wants to know, just <laughs> anyway, Google it. Because yeah. you're not getting facts. Know, yet. Google it. Yeah, <laughs> you're just getting ideas. Yeah. But um, I think I heard that once. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it sounds about right. Sounds good. Yeah. It's the
1: same guy actually. I went up the mountain with him mm-hmm. the other morning, like six in the morning. Run up. It's only like a four mile run, but it's quite a tough one. Yeah. We were about three quarters of the way up, and he went, "I'm on my seventh day of fasting today." What? I, I, I was just like. Right, okay. You, I was like, so why you haven't ate anything? No, literally just water fast for seven days like water, black coffee, green tea. That's it. So we're getting up there. We got to the top, and he's like, I, I don't feel too good. Like, it. same guy, Like I swear he's just dusty. He's just trying to, I swear he's just trying to end it through like exercise and health. I don't know how he's, like, he's trying to do all these things for health. He's just making himself ill. Like,
0: seven days without food. I couldn't do that. I think he's done twelve. Seven yeah, days with it. twelve days he's without done, food. He's done
1: twelve with absolutely <laughs> zero food. Man, I know
0: you can go way longer without food than without water. I don't know how long you can go, but like seven days is a lot, man.
1: It's a long time, like, isn't it? That's a lot. You reckons after three or four days you don't you don't get hungry, like That's mad. You reckons you just you're just floating through and he said like Well, he gets himself into ketosis for like the week before yeah. I think. So he's just like predominantly burning fat then. So he's like just taken from his body then for the fourteen days, effectively. But yeah, it didn't, well, I think he broke his fast that day. That's right. Yeah, <laughs> that, on that one particular one because he mad. said he broke him when he got home.
0: I mean, I know a lot of people do intermittent fasting. Um, I know GSP has done done a bit of fasting, hasn't he? Yeah. Um, so I know a lot of people do fasting. I know it works for a lot of people. Seven days—that's that's extreme fasting. That's extreme. That's
1: mate. I don't know. I like. I can't even like comprehend it to be honest. No. Because like I feel like twenty four hours would be quite difficult.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I would imagine he started twenty four hours. I like to think he didn't just put no. down, <laughs> I like to think he didn't just put on a burger and think, right, from here on in seven days I'm gonna do it. He's the um, type of guy. I like, <laughs> <he's> <laughs> a, God, I mean that's that's a massive mental challenge that, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. Like, yeah. I, I I yeah, like I said, twenty
1: like well, to be honest with you, like, five hours, or four hours in between meals is difficult sometimes, you know? <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, especially when, especially when you've got nothing to do, you're kicking your feet. Uh, yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, and, like, he's working from home at the minute as well, so imagine, like, being that close to the fridge, you knowing you're not eating for seven days. Yeah. Although, I suppose, like, he said, like, it's really good once you get the hunger out of the way a couple of days in, like, you've just got all this extra time where you're not thinking about food. Although, I'd be constantly <laughs> thinking about yeah, food. Yeah, I
0: think I will constantly think about food, yeah. Yeah, I'd constantly be like on the Hills Breckens Facebook page just looking at burgers. <laughs> like. You were a fan of them? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I like a burger. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's a good spot
1: for them as well, isn't it?
0: Awesome spot. Awesome spot,
1: yeah. It's so a, I didn't realise how close rooms. you were to here, to be honest.
0: Yeah, yeah. I'm, uh, I'm an Abbott Lady boy originally. but uh been down in Algovenny. I went moved down there in September. So, yeah, just under a year.
1: Obviously, uh, Auberge has been closed, like, for... Uh, have you ever been for a night out down Never in Never Abbe- been Abbe- for a
0: night out down Abbe- no, no, no. i managed to get out for a couple of pints now. That's why you moved there. <laughs> that's why I moved there, yeah, 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 yeah. No, i managed to get out for uh, for a couple of drinks in the local pubs, which has been decent. Yeah. But, um, yeah, yeah.
1: Yeah, that literally, like, from Crick as well, that's the place to go, really, is it? We always used to go down to Abba. Like, uh, yeah, I can uh,
0: imagine, yeah, yeah.
1: Yeah, it's... Uh, yeah, well, you know, it's like you know, you've been out in Aberdeenshire, I'm sure. So it's uh...
0: <laughs> it's a good night out, in Leary. <laughs> I
1: actually haven't been out up there, so I can't really judge. Like, ah, it's it.
0: decent. I've always had a good night out there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Some some of the best nights out I've had has been uh, being Aberdeenshire.
1: Yeah. At, at many clubs or pubs or anything like up there.
0: Um, we used to have one. It's knocked down now. <laughs> it's a car park now, but um, we used to have one called the Arena. Um, I think it's actually where Richard. I'm sure Richard's first gym was under. Under uh, that nightclub, um, you but said I, I said trained there.
1: A gym, there, yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. But um, yeah, the arena used to be the nightclub. I used to be, yeah, I was wicked. That was, yeah, was kids, yeah, well, <laughs> not kids, but um, you know, it was, it was cool. Yeah, it was good. Good nights out in Aberdeary.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was like, well, as far as I travelled, sort of that way. It was Bromel, like a, a few nights out in Bromel and yeah. stuff. Yeah, yeah. So sure that's probably like a place where you'd go as well, because it's quite close, isn't it? Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. It's quite close, Bromel. Yeah, and Ebervale. Yeah, yeah
1: oh yeah Abbeville. what's the place there it's called like level, level 14 yeah <laughs> level 14 I was living yeah. in Rasa for a couple of years like right. I, I lived in Crick and then moved up to Rasa yeah and yeah that was the place then level 14 down yeah. there on like a Thursday night was the night I think it was like doll day or something there <laughs> <laughs> seemed to be rammed in there every Thursday
0: yeah level 14 yeah
1: yeah you know you're having
0: like a rough one when you end up down
1: in, down in the because it's like downstairs as well isn't it
0: yeah I'm sure I went there after a couple of my A level exams to be fair I'm sure we just Left school, went straight out. Yeah. 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 I think I went there I was like times.
1: sixteen the first time. It was called something <laughs> else at the time, like Market Tavern or something. Yeah. But yeah, so so like obviously right we've just gone
0: completely on a, a tangent, tangent. Like but yeah. we're talking about nighttime got, like I got, Yeah, I got a habit of that, sorry.
1: <laughs> that's all right, mate. I'm exactly the same. So MC and for Cage Warriors now, yeah. moving forward, like have we got any goals or aspirations of like other promotions? Um without like, you know. shitting on cage I'm not saying that but you know obviously is there are other places as well No,
0: I think that well I think the most important thing is to work on yourself as opposed to you know because like you know I could set myself a target of like I don't know you know working on a UFC card or whatever but that's that's out of my control Right, that's out of my remit. I don't make that judgment call, right? I could set myself a target of, I don't know, being a newsreader on the BBC or whatever. That's not, that's out of my remit. I don't make that judgment call. So for me, I think my targets are always personal. um, And really, they always have been, especially these past kind of three years in terms of MC and my targets are always personal. I always pick out little things I want to improve, whether it's adding something in, taking something away, streamlining something, just having a particular show where I think that went really well. Um, Yeah, kind of personal targets where I look at how I'm performing as an individual. I think that's that's how I set my goals. And from there, I think that if you're good enough and you keep hitting your targets and you keep improving... And you just keep it getting a little bit better every time, then I think you'll get you'll get your just reward. You just got to keep keep plugging away. So for me, it's all about personal targets. Um, and I think you know you can measure those as well. And it's up to you to hit those targets because those targets are about you. Um, and there's not really any external factors. So I think that's yeah. That's how I tend to set my set my goals. Um, yeah, that's a great way. I think if I, you know, if I was to give myself some kind of target outside of kind of personal goals, it would be that I'd like to maybe work in other sports, um, because I like most sports. So, kind of finding my way into another field that'd be fantastic. Um, I've said this before. I would honestly be um, equally as happy. I think. Um, Introducing golfers onto a tee box, um, as I would introducing fighters in a cage, um, because I'm passionate about, uh, speaking and delivering a good service. So, yeah, I think if I was going to set myself any kind of targets, I think that would be that would be what I what I'd say in terms of kind of targets outside of my remit would be maybe try and get something in a different. A different sport I think I think that'd be really cool as well yeah um, I think so you know I think it'd be really interesting to work in a different sport um kind of in a different environment it'd be quite fun uh, it'd be a new challenge um and I like I like a challenge I like something new um otherwise I think you can sometimes stagnate so yeah something new in a completely different completely different field that'd be really fun I'd really enjoy that um yeah although I do love mma yeah, it is. It is my favorite, my favorite sport.
1: I think you <laughs> like really hit the nail on the head. with was saying about like because it, it's easy to say like yeah, oh, yeah, I want to be UFC commentator, about or commentator. Yeah. But how are you going to get there, in it? Like you're you're looking at this one yeah. step at a time, uh, improving yourself, and and like I genuinely think like if the product's good, you'll end up getting to the right place. Exactly.
0: It? I mean, I look at where I am now with Cage Warriors, and I'm like, do I enjoy working with Cage Warriors? Yes. Are Cage Warriors a fantastic promotion? Yes. I work with fantastic people at cage warriors yes you know when the answer to all these questions is yes right uh, you know like why would I be searching too hard for so not searching for something else you know obviously when other opportunities come along that's great and you want to take them but at the same time I think if you're in a good place with good people, and you're happy with what you're doing, don't rock the boat. You know, the right things will happen at the right time. And at the moment, I'm with a fantastic organisation who look after me really well. I work with amazing people. Um, I learn something from every show I do. I learn something from the people there. You know, I'm working with world class people like Mark Goddard on every show. Um, being fortunate enough to pick the brains of people like Ian Dean. Um, yeah.
1: Mate, is it, I think Cage is like, they really, you know, outside of, like, well, even, like, up to the standard of the UFC, I think their promotion skills and the way they lay their show out looks really professional. And I think they're, they're going over to America now as well, aren't they? Is that, like, a, yeah, one yeah, of their are, latest moves? Planning,
0: yeah, they're going to, they're going to California. Um the place in California escapes me. Starts with an S. Come on, Joe. Try San my something. San. <laughs> San something, am San, I right? <laughs> oh, my God. I can't remember. I nearly said either, San I? Andreas then. It's not San Andreas. San Jose, or um, San, San Diego. I San Diego. San Diego. San Diego, that's the one. Yeah, they're going to San Diego in California. Yeah, yeah.
1: That'll be amazing. Do you A think cool you'll show. be uh, going to that?
0: Um who knows (laughs) (laughs) wait and see (laughs) who knows wait and see wait and see um logistically i can imagine it'll be a nightmare in terms of like obviously the 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 different travel lists and travel restrictions and all that stuff so yeah you know i think a lot depends on i I haven't got a clue you know but i can imagine it being a logistical nightmare for them so um so who knows uh my sights are firmly set on the trilogy first and a good show there in June, and then yeah. whatever happens after that happens after that. Awesome, mate. But uh, yeah, like I said, working for an awesome company um, with awesome people, where you can pick so many amazing people's brains, um, and you can bounce ideas off fantastic people. I mean, you know, what more do you want?
1: That's it, mate. Well, I think it's a great place as well. And like when we went down to watch it, it was it's just really professionally <clears> done. Yeah. And uh yeah, I think just, just keep doing what you're doing, mate. I think like you on you've you've got a good thing now, like you say. And I think keep improving on yourself and whatever and, and good things are just gonna carry on. It's just it's just gonna happen naturally, isn't it? Like you say, it's just gonna happen yeah, naturally. Yeah, and, I
0: think that's I think that's the plan. I think See. Yeah. Things happen naturally. Don't force anything. You know, when has anything you've ever really forced in life gone gone to plan? You know, things just Fall into place. We don't force things in other areas of life, do we? we don't force, we don't force relationships on people. You know, yeah. they, that's that's illegal. <laughs> you know, <laughs> things happen naturally. Things people take do, people do, people do, but, but, people do, but it is illegal. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> things happen naturally, um, and when things happen naturally, it, they tend to work out for the best. You know, you fall into like these niches in life, and and they just work out for you. So I think keep doing what you're doing. Keep focusing on you. You can't go far wrong.
1: Definitely, mate. Well, I think that's a good place to end it. Yeah. Have you yeah, got well, anything yeah. else you
0: want to say? Um, I don't think so. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Obviously, thank you to everyone who actually got me to the point I'm at now. You know, obviously, I'm incredibly grateful for everyone's support, you know, from Ricky Wright giving me my first show to Robbie Owen um, allowing me to kind of hone my skills as an MC, um, to Richard Shaw, who has always pushed me um as an MC and who actually always pushes all local talent across the board um in terms of Abbott Leary and kind of the South Wales valleys. Um him Colin Mould as well he's another one who's pushed me far. Um and then obviously the team of Cage Warriors, Graham Boylan, Ian Dean and Co for um, for giving me the opportunity and being awesome.
1: Amazing mate. Well appreciate you coming down. Appreciate, I appreciate you, you having on. Me.
0: And uh,
1: well, we'll have you go on again at some point in the definitely, future, mate. Man, definitely. And, uh, get over. Give uh, Howell a follow.
0: <laughs> yeah. Uh, where, where can they find you, mate? Uh, they can find me um, on all socials at Howell H Y W E L Chaplin M C.
1: Awesome. Check it out. Thanks for watching. Like and subscribe. And uh, take care, everyone. good. Cheers, mate. Cheers.
0: Experience Real Podcast.